The demand for energy is accelerating like never before. New sources are emerging and established ones are evolving. Collectively, all sources will provide the fuel needed to support future global demand. Here on the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, we explore and learn about the people and companies solving today's problems to produce tomorrow's energy needs. Here's your host, Jose Solis. Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to the Energy Scale-Ups podcast. It's your host, Jose Solis. I'd like to start off by wishing everybody a happy new year, happy 2022. I know that 2021 was a really interesting year to say the least. Um, the past couple of years actually have been pretty interesting. I think most of us at the end of 2019 um, took a look forward and everybody had that quote unquote 2020 vision. Uh, but uh, here we are now at the beginning of 2022. And so I'd like to take an opportunity for this podcast uh, to go over some things that we've learned over the past year, uh, talk about some common problems that we've talked about on the show and things that I've learned from talking to business leaders that scale-ups face. Also, share some recruiting tips as you go into 2022, because obviously we've run into a big issue with the, um, the big, what are they calling it? The, the big or the great resignation rather. And then last but not least, uh, I'd like to finish off by just sharing a few companies that are getting a little bit of attention that I've been reading about that I think would be interesting for everybody to know about. Um, they're just doing some interesting things in the energy space and I just want to share them with you. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. So getting an opportunity to speak with business leaders, I like to try and dig down and and ask them about some common issues that they run into and how they solve those problems. Because obviously, I think that if you're a listener to the show, you're probably an entrepreneur or you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or you're scaling a business or you're a business leader. And maybe you are already facing these problems or you just want a little bit of ideas on how to or on solutions on how to fix maybe some of the issues that you might run into. Uh, or maybe you're in an organization and you're trying to add value by figuring out like how you can solve a problem that you might be running into. And so obviously there is a probably a laundry list that I would not be able to cover on just one podcast of the issues that you run into as a scale up. But let's talk about maybe a few of them and, and, and kind of go over what those look like and then maybe some potential solutions. So first on the list is going to be the misaligning of departments. Now you hear a lot of misaligning of departments in my world. I've heard a lot of it between sales and marketing. And that's just because of the roles that I've held in my career. But I know that this can also happen between other departments. And so whenever you have this misaligning of departments, what happens, especially as a company starts to grow, right? And we're we're particularly giving interest to when a company is scaling is maybe before everybody, you know, let's say you had a co-working space and everybody was sitting around one table most of the day or whatever it might have been, and you're sharing ideas, you're, you're, you know, everybody's talking and it's a pretty small team, but now it's grown and you've got departments and information has become siloed. Um, you know, the left hand's not talking to the right hand, you know, as they say. And one of the ways that entrepreneurs or CEOs, business leaders have talked about the sol- uh, a solution to this problem is just increasing the face-to-face time between maybe team leaders, uh, syncing their technology tools. So for instance, let's say making sure that 
the marketing team and the sales team all have access to the same information, the same tools, um, let's say the CR in the CRM or whatever it might be, um, so that they have some transparency there and creating transparency and then also implementing maybe some cross department projects. So it gets the departments to start to work together. And that is one of the ways that you can start to realign your teams. Um, because obviously, as teams become misaligned, things get missed, uh, objectives become blurred, and it can become really challenging for a company that's trying to scale and get everybody to you know, sing off the same sheet of music. So that's one, one way to find a solution to that problem. So another problem that I've heard you know, and I've discussed with people is, you know, early stage team members that maybe are no longer happy as the company has grown. And I've seen this before where a company was smaller, it's grown. And then some of the early, uh, early employees weren't really happy with the way things were going now that the company had maybe been purchased by a bigger organization and they were integrating. And so sometimes it's because there's this loss of connectivity or transparency from leadership. Let's say, for instance, employees were used to having maybe, you know, weekly uh, drop-ins from the CEO or the CFO or maybe some other leader that maybe is no longer available as much uh, to them. So they're not getting that 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 one-on-one or, or even just that exposure, that transparency. And one of the ways that can be a solution to this problem for leaders is, you know, just by increasing their communications with their teams, you know, whether it just be a mass email or even maybe creating some sort of content, whether it be a video or maybe some sort of like audio that they're sharing with the entire organization to create that connectivity. But one thing that you always have to keep in mind, and and this is a real fact, is that some of the employees who are not adapting to that growing environment, they might not be a good fit for a corporate culture. Maybe they're more adapt for a startup culture. And, and, and sometimes you just have to face those facts and say, well, maybe it's time for the both of us to move on and allow those employees to move on to another startup where they are going to be happy because happy employees obviously are productive employees. And then third is going to be whenever, let's say, for instance, a uh, company takes on new investment and they're starting to really increase their spending in their budgets, but they haven't necessarily seen the same uh, tick uptick in their productivity. And so they said, well, you know, we increased our budget by 2x and we just haven't increased our revenue by 2x. And maybe that's questions that they're getting, you know, they're getting asked by their investors. And, you know, that can be really frustrating. So, you know, one of the solutions is going to be, you know, to, to, to scale gradually, which if you can, I think is usually the best bet, you know, building a little bit slower if, if you have the luxury of doing that. Uh, and that will help prevent some of this disruption, um, you know, because obviously when you're scaling your business and you're spending money, you want to see that return on the investment. Your investors want to see the return on their investment. So sometimes what is a good solution is to slow down, especially if you're seeing this issue, and identify and remediate the root causes and keeping your finger on the pulse and understanding like, okay, what is it that but it's not happening? And again, that could be some of the other 
issues that we talked about before where there's misalignment of departments as you've grown or early stage employees are no longer happy so they're not being as productive. And it's understanding how to identify and remediate those issues quickly. And so those are three common issues and three solutions that scale-ups face that you guys can use in your business uh, or think about as you continue to grow your business. So like we touched on the great resignation earlier uh, in the episode, I want to come back and talk a little bit about recruiting. Now, I've spent some time recruiting and a technical recruiting role earlier in my career, and especially in a business that was scaling. It was growing. We were bringing in a lot of technicians, project managers, engineers, a lot of people, and you know, having a recruiting department that was also growing at the same time where we had one recruiter, two recruiters, three recruiters at any given time, full time, just specific looking to hire and retain talent, um, it can be a challenge as you're growing your business. So I want to give some tips on recruiting that may help you, uh, you know, bring in the, the, the team that you need to help build your company. So here are some, you know, some ideas and, and first and foremost, and, th- and some of this might be things that are very obvious, but you just got to hear them and reinforce them. And first and foremost is going to be Optimize the careers page on your company website and improve that can- that candidate experience. So one way you can do this, and I mean, obviously you can show like, yes, testimonials from employees in a written form, but maybe even in a video form or an audio form where employees get to talk about, you know, what they like about the company, or maybe even you know, having employees highlighting them and talking about, you know, what their personalities are like, because sometimes it's not just the work that you do, but it's the people that you're going to be around. Let's not lose sight that, you know, the industry is all about people. The energy industry is all about people and people want to be around other people and work with people that they like. So, you know, maybe creating content around that. uh, And then, you know, even asking people to say what they don't like about working there. And what you'll find is most of the time, it won't be about the job or the company. It'll be, well, you know, I don't like having to wake up early or I don't like having to commute or whatever it might be. But, you know, you'll really find that, you know, obviously making sure that they're sharing their true feelings, uh, letting people talk about what they like about the company. And this will really help candidates get a good idea about what they're going to get themselves into, or even if they want to apply, maybe they find out early, it's not for them, which will help save you and them time and money in the recruiting process. The second thing I'd like to share is expanding your recruiting channels. And what I mean by that is you know, opening it up to look at other avenues besides just LinkedIn and, and places like that, you know, maybe engaging with veteran communities, uh, looking to engage with maybe a parents that are returning back to the workforce after spending time on maternity leave with their children, uh, students preparing to graduate, and not just from universities, but also local community colleges can be a goldmine of candidates. But even on that note, even considering the idea of hiring people for roles that would traditionally require a four-year degree, saying, you know what, maybe we will allow people to supply experience in lieu of that degree. And some things that you can do to help kind of go through the candidate process, and this is something that I've seen done very effectively, is, is, is administer some sort of applicable test, right? Give them some type of test that shows like, okay, here's what you might run into in this type of work or this role. Can they problem solve? And maybe even consider the idea of allowing them to use the tools that might be available to them during a normal workday because 
let's face facts, even some of the best employees, you know, they're going to go back and say, okay, I need to read this book or I need to, um, you know, research this and figure out this problem because problem solving skills are definitely the, probably one of the biggest things that we're looking for is can you solve this problem? Can you find a solution to this problem? And if people maybe don't have the formal academic training, but maybe they're self-educated, they've done their own research or they've got the experience, you know, learning like, hey, you know what, this person can actually do the job. They don't necessarily have the 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 perfect fit of credentials, but they can actually do this job. And and you might find that even some people that have those credentials might not be able to perform the tasks that you're asking them. And I know that sounds crazy and I've seen it happen, but you know, it's really interesting when you see somebody who looks great on paper, you bring them in and you ask them to do maybe some really simple tasks and you realize like, I don't know that they're the right fit for this job. And so, you know, applying, administering some sort of, you know, not necessarily an aptitude test, but some sort of practical test. And I know a lot of companies do this, but, you know, just reiterating the the usefulness of, of doing something like that. And third is going to be build out your company's social media presence and allow current employees to have fun and show it off at work. And, you know, with you know, obviously LinkedIn being a very professional network, there's other ones like Instagram and TikTok and, you know, Facebook and stuff like that and allowing employees to have fun at work. I mean, there's times when we've had, you know, an employee at the places that I worked where it was their birthday and we played a practical joke on them and we, you know, plastered their office with, you know, Justin Bieber stuff and just made it really fun and funny. And things like that really show people that, hey, this is obviously, yeah, we do serious work here, but we also have a great time and it's enjoyable. And you will, you know, if you come and join our team, you know, you're not, it's not just going to be all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It's going to be a good time. So you can highlight company events, holiday parties, practical jokes, you know, that all makes great content. And even like some of the interesting things that you're doing, let's say your company's doing research and development. But you just don't want to make it just one big commercial about how, you know, okay, this is all the work that we're doing. This is everything that we're doing. And, um, you know, this is, that's it, you know, just all work. Um, Because sometimes that might just make people believe, well, you know, I mean, what fun is it to be just in an environment where all we're doing is, you know, all work and no play. And I think, especially as the younger generations start to uh, to get integrate into the workforce, you know, you really want to be able to show like, yeah, you know, even some of us veterans in the industry know how to have a good time. And, you know, we haven't lost that jovialness that we once had when we were younger. So those are three things to keep in mind. Obviously, recruiting is really tough. Um, and, you know, you want to make sure you can re- recruit, retain the best talent, but also remediate the, the underperformers quickly. Um, but those will be some things that will help you find talent going into the new year. I know it's going to be a challenging environment. So, you know, best of luck to everybody. So now I'm going to share uh, with you guys, we're going to transition. I'm going to share with you guys three companies that I came across this week that I think are really interesting. They're doing some really interesting things in energy. The first is coming out of Japan. It's a company that has just formed called PowerX. And what they're doing is they are creating these uh, electronic, electric fueled vessels that are going to be loaded with batteries to bring energy from offshore wind farms over to dry land, which is really interesting. So their their slogan is they're reimagining energy transfer and acceler- accelerating the adoption of renew- renewable energy. And they plan to start with 
this boat that they're calling the Power Arc 100. Now, the Power Arc 100 is going to be about a 100 meter long, which is 330 feet uh, ship that's powered electronically and it'll have a diesel backup, a biodiesel backup, and it'll have a range of about 186 miles. So this is being developed in Japan and they've got a scale up plan to go from it's going to be the ARC 100, then the 1000, followed by the 3000. So they've got this plan to grow. They've partnered with a, a shipbuilder in the country. I think it's really interesting. They're going to be creating this opportunity to harvest the offshore winds of Japan, bringing, storing that energy, and then bringing it to the mainland, uh, which will uh, offer about they said to carry about 100 grid scale batteries offering the capacity of about 220 megawatt hours, which says is enough power to power around 22,000 Japanese homes for a single day on a single trip. So I think that's really interesting, you know, that they're creating this new technology. They're hoping to create ships that are large enough that they can transport energy globally and not just off the coast of Japan. Um, it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch and continue to see as it develops. The next company I came across was Wave Swell Energy, and they're out of Australia. And what they're doing is they're creating proprietary technology that converts energy in ocean waves into clean zero emission electricity. And so what they have is this unidirectional oscillating water column technology, which is a very fancy thing to say. But basically, as the waves come through this unit, it looks like this huge, almost uh, the way it looks, it looks like a big concrete block almost. And it's got this what's called a blowhole on the top. So as the wave goes into the unit, it pushes air out. And then on the downstroke, it sucks air through the blowhole, which is creating the electricity, it's spinning a turbine. And so the, it uses a battery on board um, to store that energy so that as the, as, the, as the flow of the waves starts to slow down, that they can actually provide a constant uh, feed of electricity to the mainland. And right now, they have a project in Tasmania that is currently providing enough electricity to power about 200 homes at this time. And they're hoping to grow that technology uh, to have these units all over uh, the country eventually so that they can start to harness the renewable power of wave energy, which I think is really interesting. It's one that I hadn't really thought of before or I hadn't really seen that much before, but that's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, we we know wind, we know solar, uh, we know geothermal, uh, but this wave energy is one that I think is really interesting. I, I really want to keep an eye on this one. Uh, they've been around for a little while, so I'm really interested to watch them as they scale. Now, the third and last company that I came across, which I thought was really interesting, is Augwind Energy, and they are out of Israel. Now, they've got this new technology called the air battery, which is an energy storage system, which is a combination of pumped hydro and compressed air energy storage, and it's positioned to provide distributed, sustainable, cost-effective energy storage. Now, what they do, it's it, the process is like a four or five-step process. I think it's like a four-step process, I want to remember. So the way that they get their energy, their initial charge is going to be, like, let's say, from a wind farm or solar energy. And what that's going to do is it, 
that energy is going to create these pumps to pump water from the reservoir to compressed air in the compression tanks. And these compression tanks are going to be uh, stored underground. So they will have a very small footprint because you could store them underground and then, you know, put any kind of infrastructure on top of it. And then that compressed air is then delivered to the underground tanks for storage. And then the compressed air is released from the storage tanks back to the compression chamber. And then the high pressure compression air is uh, streamed with streams the water through turbines to regenerate the electricity. So it's a really unique system that is something that can be used over and over again using these turbines, uh, using the compressed air, using the, the water in these tanks um, to be able to generate regenerate electricity in a very efficient manner so that whenever they're storing that energy that's being brought in from the solar grid or from the wind grid, they're not losing all of that energy whenever they regenerate it. So that's a really interesting concept. They're out of Israel. They have actually a few uh, projects going on now. I will link all of these projects in the show notes so that you can go check them out for yourself. I hope, again, everybody is going to have a great 2022. I want to thank Halliburton Labs for sponsoring the podcast. I want to thank OGGN for putting it all together and working really hard to make it happen in 2021. Again, I look forward to everybody having a great year. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, also, please be sure to sign up for our weekly giveaway. That's going to be the Halliburton Labs backpack. It's really awesome. I highly encourage you to sign up for that. Everybody keep up the fire. Have, you know, have a great 2022 and we'll see you soon. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Thank you.